Welcome to the Minor Conversations Podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm Mick Reinhardt, and I offer you a glimpse behind the game day experience in the Eastern League. If you like what you hear, do me a favor and spread the word. On iTunes, you can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can also now find us on Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. Our website is minorconversations.com, and you can catch us on Twitter at M-I-N-O-R-C-O-N-V-S-P-O-D. Now, on to the show. For this episode, I'm doing something a little different. I recently unearthed an interview I did a couple of years ago with Tim Leppard of Team Ghost Riders, or as it's known in a lot of minor league ballparks, the Cowboy Monkey Rodeo. This is not an elaborate podcast setup, just a handheld voice recorder, so bear with the sound quality at times and the occasional gust of wind. I cleaned it up as best as I could. We discussed how he came to love monkeys, the Wilmington Blue Rocks booking him for the first time for baseball, and life on the road with monkeys, dogs, and sheep. So sit back and enjoy episode 13 of the Meyer Conversations podcast with my guest, Tim Leppard. You know, in your talk after, you know, after the game, you always talk about your little boy and wanted, wanted a monkey. Yeah. Any clue why you wanted a monkey? Any clue what that, you know, dream was about? You know, I, I remember it. I remember a lot of it vaguely, you know, with, you know, the Curious George books. You know, I, I remember the books and him being the fireman and the monkey being the fireman dressing up in the little yellow hat. And and there were so many things that uh, I liked about that. You know, I, I thought it was more down to earth. And I never remember this, but my mom, after, after you know, all of it got, she said, you not remember carrying that sock monkey around? And I said, no. She said, you wagged the stuffing out of it. She said, you carried the sock monkey when you was a baby the whole time. And I never knew that, but I do remember the books. And I do know when I got older, you know, I, I, I still had this, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. I, I liked monkeys. I was always infatuated with them, and I wanted to go and see them at the zoo, but I couldn't get enough. You know, I couldn't get close enough. And uh, that's whenever I think I was, I wasn't able to drive. My dad said, well, I'm going to help you get a monkey. And I got my first monkey. And... I didn't know. I got into more than you. I didn't know that they were mean. And uh, I learned a lot. I mean, my first monkey, I learned a lot. And uh, we had so much fun uh, just playing. And uh, that's when I decided uh, to get a spare, which, you know, uh, I got a female. And, you know, I was told you won't be able to raise these monkeys in captivity. And I did. And it just... So the USDA, the federal the government, you know, they were at my house one time, and, and I said, why why am I raising monkeys? And, and he said, you look out there. You make it good for them. I mean, they can go outside. They can go inside. They got swimming pool, ladders, and swings. They're happy, and I made it peaceful for them. And I think that's what has helped me more. Uh, I kind of like put myself in their position, and what would I like? You know, how would it feel? Uh, you know, if it's hot outside, do you want to be cooled off? And so sometimes I stick the water hose in their pen, and they have so much fun squirting and playing with that water hose. <laughs> you know, you know they're they're amazed at water shooting out of it anyway. Right. They, they get each other wet. They water my flowers really good. It's, it's cool to watch them and, and to learn from the experiences I've learned through the years. You know, you're you're looking at 30 years of handling monkeys. So. 
I do know a little bit about them. When you were on the rodeo tour, how did you eventually know, oh, you know, I'm getting hurt too much, or I'm, I need to come up with a better plan well, for having a life? It, 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 it just all came together. Uh, I knew I had a monkey in, uh, and just sitting in there, you know, being a cowboy and everything in the living room, and you seeing the monkey go over there and hit the dog. And these monkeys, you know, they're going to they're gonna test everything. They're going to test you. They're going to test humans, and uh, that was that was one of the things testing. He he'd run over there and he'd hit that dog, and you know he had popcorn. And next thing you know, he was dropping his popcorn on the dog. You know the dog was laying there, yeah. but, so he started grooming him. Well, the dog automatically thought he was petting him, and they bonded. So then the monkey would. That was like his protector. He'd run over and grab the dog and look at me and like, <laughs> you know, and show his teeth and. Uh, being a cowboy, you look at that, and I said, man, they are partners, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, that's where it started. I really wanted the monkey to ride the dog, and I started putting the monkey on. And now, when I first put the monkey on the dog, he just bear-hugged him and held on, and I let him walk around out in the yard. And I knew if I could come up with a saddle or something designed to make it more. And, it, and, and you know what? Nobody helped me. I did this the hard way. I learned the hard way, and I put myself in their position, and I learned that way. But it, it uh, years and years in the making. I didn't. I promise you, it didn't come up. You know, the first year, it was probably three years before I could ever get a monkey to sit up in the saddle. And then I was using, I was using an old slow dog. You know, her name was Daisy. And when I got her from the old man, he told me he said. Uh, I said, what do you feed her? He said, man, we just feed her black-eyed peas and cornbread, you know. And I thought, okay. But uh, she was real slow, and the monkeys loved her. And, you know, and it was that was my way of training them then. You know, it wasn't no big deal. And so whenever I started coming up with the faster dogs, I realized that each monkey was different, too. Each monkey couldn't ride uh, the faster dog or the slower dog, you know. And then I figured Sam, he would be the dog that trains all the young dogs. He's the one that's been riding for 20 years. So uh, I learned from, uh, I learned the hard way. I learned from experience. Are Border Collies herding bighorn sheep kind of common, or is that not, like, even if the monkeys weren't riding it, is this something that happens in rodeos, or is this just not at all, like, in terms of? Well, you know, uh, it I, did, I didn't know because I started out with the old English sheepdog. Mm-hmm. And my, my whole vision was big dog. I'm thinking a big dog to care of the, the little monkey. And uh, a guy told me, he said, why are you wanting to use that dog? Why don't you use, why wouldn't you use a border collie? And I said, they're too small. He said, it's not how big a border collie is, it's how big their heart is. I did learn a lot then, but I wanted to learn more. I went to Scotland, me and two more guys, a doctor. We went to Scotland to the World National Supreme Stock Dog. And as a kid, you know, I was hungry. I wanted to learn everything, and that was one of the things I did. I went over there to learn everything about these dogs, and I realized they don't just work sheep. They work running water. You know, they work your kids. They work ducks. But, uh... At the time, I used ducks, you know. They were easy to, you know, put them in a little cage, and it just kept on growing and growing, and uh, I wanted an endorsement with Dodge Trucks because I was doing so much traveling. And in order to get that truck, the Dodge endorsement, I 
I said, I'm going to use rams, bighorn sheep. And I said, let me see how tough your ram is with my ram on it, you know. And it went from there. Uh, but, you know, I did more driving than they expected. <laughs> I wore their trucks out. But it, it, uh, and, and, and I used the rams for the looks, you know, the bighorns. Mm-hmm. You did this in the rodeo circuit. Do you remember when the first time was, some, you know, baseball or minor league or whatever said, hey, come do it, or, like, how did you make that transition? I realize you still do rodeo. Right. But, but like, to, to go from a pretty niche market of the rodeo to, to yeah, exactly. How, like, do you remember when market. that was or how oh, that yeah. happened? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was in Kellettville, Pennsylvania doing a rodeo. And they called me and wanted me to do a road, I mean, a baseball game in Pennsylvania. And I told them, I said, there ain't no way. I said, I do rodeos, and I wouldn't go to a little ball game, you know. <laughs> and they said, all we want you to do is 60 seconds on the field and off the field, and we'll, off the field, we'll pay you this much. And I said, how many seconds? Did you say minutes or seconds? He said, teasers, you know. And I said, I said, and they said, you don't live, you're not, but right now in Kellettville, we done seen where you're at. We want you to come. And I said, okay. I was wanting to go on home. So I came and done my first baseball game. And in order to change, you know, this is what, okay, here's what we want you to do. We just want you, it's called a teaser. We want you to go out there and back. I said, no problem. You know, I can do that. Yeah, right. And it went off. But the hard part was after it was over with, the crowd was still. It was they really still wanted wild. more, right? They wanted more. They wanted more in 60 seconds. So the guy, uh, Joe Valenti, Joe Valenti is his name. He's not with them no more, but he's got one of my dogs. But I, uh, he, he handed me the microphone, said, go out there and t- talk to him. And I said, what do you want me to say? He said, just tell him something. So I went out there, and I've never spoke in front of a crowd like that. I mean, at a rodeo, I've clowned and been comical, but I said, I'm just going to be honest, you know, tell the truth and be about my animals. And, and that's what I did. I started telling about my animals, and, you know, that's what the people wanted to hear. Uh, and it went on the Internet back then, the greatest speech ever. Uh, you can look it up. It, I was... It was kind of crazy how it worked out, but I thank my my wife. I said she's the greatest woman. She's in that truck out there, and she's the greatest woman, my backbone, and and it. So I started getting all these calls from radio stations, you know, and, and it was like it was it was a huge wave. And I said everything's cool, it'll die down. But this Joe Bellini that actually said come on into baseball, he also crawled out on the limb and said. This guy's done it. Bunch of baseball games. Y'all got to give him a chance. He went out on the limb to get me there. And when I got there, I said, like, I ain't done no baseball game. <laughs> but he said, we're going to make like you have. But uh, it worked. And, uh, it, I mean, I do 37, 38 baseball games a year. And, uh, you know, we went into NFL football. We're yeah. doing halftime shows for NFL. Um We've done every sporting event except for golf, tennis, and swimming. Uh, we've done hockey, NASCAR, and it's just, and sometimes you just said, when is, when do I get to take a break? When do I get to take a break, you know? And uh, I think about it a lot. Uh, baseball has been awesome to me. Go to Las Vegas in November for the National Finals Rodeo. That's where I get all of my bookings. And I always tell baseball, 
if you want to book us for this year, you better get us before we leave, get on the plane. And that's what baseball does. They swarm us with so many baseball games. And then when I get to Vegas and they come around to book me for a rodeo, they say, you mean you'd rather go to a baseball game than a rodeo? And I said, yes, sir. I let them know that baseball has been good to me and baseball fans have been good to me. I mean, it's been awesome through and through. You mentioned your wife earlier, too. It's a whole traveling, you know, it's a family between the dogs and the monkeys and her and you. And just go into that a little bit about, you know, what it takes to maintain that throughout the year and all these dates and all the travel. (laughs) It's not just my wife. You know, I've got a wife and two daughters that are in the truck with me, and I mean, I'm the only male in that trailer. And and you want to talk about having to be tough, having to sacrifice the things that you've always had for three girls, it's, it's totally uh, to where I can drive down the road and drive all night and get in the back of that truck and go to sleep, but you don't do that with them girls. You have to provide, and uh, it's been really, you know, a challenging experience for us to to go up and down the road, but I do tell them, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be on the road. I do. You can go home, and, and anytime you want to go home, just say, go home, but one thing we do do is when those girls are with us, we cover a lot of water territories, Niagara Falls, Virginia Beach, uh, Erie, you know, they want to go to the water. They want to lay out on the beach. We were in Delta, I mean, uh, Lehigh, Utah, three weeks ago, and it was snow on the mountains, and they were out there laying out on the beach, and I'm sitting under a shade tree. But uh, that's stuff they like, and so... It changes my lifestyle a lot. I have to do a lot uh, more for them to, you know, in order for everybody to be happy on the road. But there again, I've got three girls that love animals. I've got three girls that, and when I say love animals, they would rather lay there on that ground and lay on a dog or lay up, play with the monkey. Mm-hmm. And and we're a family. We're a family from from the beginning all the way to the end. We we all. All the animals, all the every animal is taken care of through us. So they come number one. Them girls, as soon as that truck pulls over into a truck stop and I start getting fuel, they bail out of there and they go back and check and make sure everybody's got water. And it's nothing for them to be with the animals more than me. I know that there's always some discussion over the treatment, you know. And you know, and it's been said, you know, uh, people he's definitely going to take care of the animals because you know they're they're his way of living oh but that's not what i mean at all but it in my way is it's not my way of living they're my life you know Mm -hmm. i i was raised up and as a kid all my life you know with a pony a horse and and just caring and taking care of animals you know it's it's always been my life and uh, you know, when you're when you're on the road as much as we, you have to you have to be able to provide even harder. There's so many states that we go through have never heard of a bale of hay. You know, we're in cities and towns that uh, we don't know where to get hay at, or we don't know where to get. I have to make sure all these animals are taken care of. And you know, what if you go? What if you go somewhere and say we need a bag of monkey chow? You know, it's like. <laughs> What what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, and so we have to. I have to make sure that these animals are taken care of, not only on the food side and, and the health side and all the records and paperwork. You know, it's it's more. 
It's more than anybody could ever imagine. And you have to have a love for animals, not a love for money, because a love of money is the root of all evil. And we have a love for animals. We take care of our animals. We want to make sure our animals are taken care of. You know, it, you can't, you can't, you wouldn't be able to do that if you were trying to do it for money. It ain't like we're, you know, rich, you know, and, uh, you know, we've had several people filming inside and out the trailer and, you know, and my daughter, she'll be sitting there with a dog in her lap or, you know, playing with one and, and I said, I don't know where she gets it. And they said, she's a product of you. You know, it, and, and I'm so, I'm more happier for my family to love animals. You know, it, I guess it would be a lot more difficult, if, you know, if I had a wife that she didn't want to get her fingernails dirty, but she still does her fingernails, and but she will get in there and, you know, we bathe them. And it's funny when we give the monkey baths, you know, because... I always take them in the shower, and I'm handing her a monkey, putting another one in. It's like a little repetition, a little production line, yeah. but it's a good family, family thing, you know, because it wouldn't be able to be done. How many, how many dogs and monkeys do you travel with? This is the least I've ever traveled with, uh, and the reason why is I got two brand new young dogs, and I've never touched them. They're they're dogs that are at home that people have brought them brought since I've been gone and I've watched my girls and I mean I've got pictures of my girls laying and you know playing with them and I said you can let a dog or an animal stay with y'all and y'all can love on them all you want but when it gets time to train them I have to take them away (laughs) you can't let them keep being that so I let them know that uh but we we we're carrying right now we're carrying three of the best dogs I think I've ever had matter of fact one of the dogs that i have now has his daddy won the world cattle competition in meeker colorado this year they called me and said we just want to let you know that that little young pup that you got from his daddy just won the world which i know he i knew he was good when i got him i just i i I took my time and i pushed him aside and i said i'm not gonna waste trying to make you do this or make you go out there and hear this crowd i don't want to ruin you and i did everything right with this dog and he is phenomenal i mean he's so he's carrying the load to where you know if 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 i'm doing a day game or a hot rodeo or or something i i don't even put a monkey on him uh i give the monkeys a break i'll rotate Mm -hmm. around and instead of using three dogs and three monkeys we'll use uh three dogs and two monkeys but we have four monkeys and three dogs on the trailer right now and they're the best of the best i I couldn't be more blessed with the the dogs that i have i mean i was worried going into this year i was saying i hope this works out with these dogs i hope these dogs make this many shows and don't start wearing down but it has worked awesome. This young dog has taken a huge load off of them, you know, having to work. During your speech, you talked about you don't do this by yourself, about the unknown soldier. I got into this through my oldest brother. It was called Military Rodeo. Growing up as kids, you always want to be better than your big brother. You want to you wanna outdo him 
and he was in special forces. He was uh, he was on the mission that went to Iran to free the hostages that crashed in the helicopter, and uh, he got me started in the rodeo, you know, into the bull riding aspect of it, and uh, I got hurt really bad, and I was laying in the hospital. He called me and he said, listen, I'm not telling you to keep doing what you're doing, and I'm not telling you to quit. But whatever you do, give it 110% do it for your country. And you know, there's many Marines, there's many soldiers out there to the day that, that the way this country is is so screwed up, you know, they still fight for that flag. And, and that's basically, you know, I, I made an oath to him. I said, you got it. And that's, that's what it's been about all these years is about you know, these these guys that taking care of us and give us a, our rights, you know, to do what we have in the United States now. And that wraps up episode 13 of the Meyer Conversations podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, see you at the ballpark. <laughs>